0: We're just going to start right away since we have one hour, <laughs> <laughs> which is no time at all to talk about a Golden Globes. Insert jaunty theme music. Or just I, like Jennifer Coolidge's speech. It, Jennifer Coolidge's
1: Hi, hello. Hi, hello. I named mean,
0: Kara Bishop called me as <laughs> to present.
1: So welcome back to the film experience, everyone. I know it's been a long time, but we're going to try to get back to more regular podcasting. Um, and I'm very pleased to bring back my old friend and old uh, co-host for many years of the Film Experience podcast, Nick Davis. You keep saying old. Well, years past, young at heart. We're back like hee hwee <laughs>
0: It's been a minute, but boy, are we better than ever.
1: <laughs> so I understand um, through the grapevine, i.e. text messages between you and I. That you enjoyed the Globes this weekend. I
0: loved them. I loved them, and like tell us why because you know how online
1: are. People get very negative all the time about award shows online. Have they been negative? I don't know. Okay. I have a new uh, job that's been taking some of my time away from playing online, and uh, I don't really know the response yet because I've been busy writing mine, and uh, yeah. So we're blissfully unaware. We are, but I can safely assume that people hated it because they always do <laughs> what people
0: be hating. Um, I loved... Sometimes I think the first speech of the night can set the tone for what's coming, and I yeah. thought that Ki Kwan was so what I want from a speech, which is like, let me be real about what my life is actually like as an actor and what it means to me to be here, and... Not just the project I'm here for, but the people who helped me out in the past. So I was already like blissed out. And that followed like the opening monologue by Gerard Carmichael that I thought was really clever at like getting an elephant out of the room or observing that it's going to be in the room all night or whatever. I wasn't as in love with the rest of what he did as the night went on. But, um, but, you know, he and Michelle Yeoh and Jennifer Coolidge and Steven Spielberg and just over and over again people, Colin Farrell, who I thought not only gave these amazing kind of very personal speeches, um, but very kind and gracious ones and also very vulnerable. And that's like my favorite thing. And those are all people. I mean, most of those are people who, you know, it's nice to see up on a stage. And sometimes nominated for the first time in a long time. And even Spielberg, you know, people kind of act like he wins shit all the time. And it, it actually doesn't happen that often anymore. And um, so I just was very touched the entire night and had been kind of doubting myself for watching it out of a feeling of like, I said a year ago, like everybody else, like this shit's for the birds. I'm glad they've torn this down. Nah.
1: Like,
0: <laughs> But, you know, I also feel like I say in most of my life, like, let's try to see what people are about when they say they've been trying to work on hearing advice and taking a lesson. And so let's see what happens. And I don't know anything about what the organization's like now. But as an evening, I I thought the vibe was cool.
1: Well, they definitely have changed a lot of their uh, voting systems and, you know, and added members. And they've also... You know, it was a very small, it's a very small group and still is a small group, but um, they have like their members, members full members, which mm-hmm. who they've expanded, you know, to increase diversity. And they also have added sort of a pool of international voters in keeping with their foreign press. Oh, OK. Um, I that, that aren't full members. For example, our friend Glenn Dunks from Australia is um, a voting member.
0: Way to go, Glenn!
1: Uh, yes. Um, so, uh, so for example, that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, they they've definitely worked on reforms. Like, I don't know lots of. I only know what you know. Press releases and articles have told me. Yeah. I don't have any insider info. Um, other than, of course, Glenn <laughs> knowing that he's like voting, and uh, but but the non the not official members, the sort of vote the international press abroad that I don't really know how that new system is working because they don't vote on nominations. I don't think they just vote on winners. You know, they're definitely doing reforms is the point whether or not those reforms are effective. I, my point in all reforms is that you have to, you should take a wait and see approach. You should never like condemn or praise anybody immediately. Yeah. <laughs> for, yeah. For reforms made. Um, so but which yeah, reason, yeah,
0: I respected the handful of people. I mean, I believe their their furnished excuses from Amanda Seyfried and Kate Blanchett and Kevin Costner and the reasons they couldn't be there. But I, I actually think it was helpful to have at least some quota of people who were like, why don't you show me how you keep being and then I'll prioritize this. Um, but it doesn't have to be everybody the first year.
1: Right. That's just my general approach. And also my, you know, I'm just. I like to be a chill person. I don't like to hold grudges or be angry all the time or be outraged. I'm just not about that kind of life. Um, So I, I'm like, sure, let's wait and see. But it seems like, you know, they're working on it. Yeah. But, you know, with all, or I've talked about this so much, but with all awards organizations, they are all made up of people and people are fallible. Yep. And every institution that I know, any nitty-gritty details about how it works internally has problems every single one in all of my decades of life so it's it's just that they're such a visible it's you know the the hollywood thing they're just so much more visible than so many industries but like every organization you name it there's a skeleton in their closet yep because they're people they're made up of people not the Mitt romney businesses are people but you know what i'm saying (laughs) <laughs> I knew Mitt Romney
0: would make his way into this exchange. And I mean, like that's... I agree with all of that. And also I think what stood out to me in like whatever it's been now, the year or two that that all the stuff about the HFPA came out, like it was striking to me how many people were like, I haven't had the experiences that some people are citing, but if this gives me space to say I always felt like skeeved out and badly treated and weirdly handled by that organization, and that seemed so widespread um, that it seemed like, yeah, you can find this if you would barely even scratch the surface of almost any place. And it did seem like maybe a sort of open secret that a lot of people were not that comfortable. Um, but who yeah. knows? I'm like Juliette Pinoche. I
1: don't know anything. That's <laughs> where our English patient stands. But what did you think about the show? Um, I also really enjoyed it. I did not really enjoy Gerard Carmichael's opening monologue just because I felt it was short on the joke. So it was like I very much appreciated that he had to address the elephant in the room. And I think it was clever to make it personal about him mm-hmm. hosting the awards. But, you know, I love I, I'm a new fan of his. So I don't know his full career, but I his you know, his concert special, Rothaniel, is so amazing. But it's this um it's this very sort of confession, confessional conversational comedy as opposed to telling jokes. Yep. And I'm not quite sure that works with an award show. Mm-hmm. Like I think from from that I I would say it doesn't really work for an award show even though I love him. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Just because, like, the parts I appreciated were the actual jokes. Like, I thought the little dig at Scientology was so funny and so risky. Uh-huh. And I just couldn't believe he was saying it. With wall holding, yeah. you know, in quotes, Tom's <laughs> three returned globes. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of institutions with skeletons in their closet. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, yeah, I just wish there were more jokes Mm mm-hmm yep but I I I love the thing I did love about his hosting with his particular comedy style about being very sort of you're friends with him or you're in the room with him and it's just sort of a conversation was his intros of the people I thought were great Mm. like his intros of uh, Jennifer Coolidge made me laugh so much and then like his little aside to Rihanna was so funny and like I loved the way he was with people in the room I just wish there were more jokes gotcha um, But, you know, going back to what I've often said through the years, I don't really care about that. All that said, I think award shows are too weird about their hosts. Like mm-hmm. what I'm there for is the celebrities and the acceptance speeches. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it was fine. But I did think it was kind of funny that in this age of, like, pay transparency, like, you know, it's a big topic in the business world and in the yeah social equity and all that. I did think it was really, like, interesting that he just came out and said what he was paid. Um, yeah. But because of that, you're sitting there going, wait, that joke, that joke was, you know, $15,000 <laughs> or whatever <Yeah. laughs> that's right it was like a little weird maybe because i'm just not used to it yet you know i'm all i think the era of pay transparency is healthy i think Mm -hmm. it's a healthy direction but it just i'm just so not used to it in those contexts yep yep Um, i mean
0: i get that and i i thought it was clever in a way that like there's lots of different ways to respond to like a bad smell that's sticking to a moment or an institution or whatever and to say like well the way i'm gonna respond to an institution telling us that it's newly invested in a kind of honesty and transparency is my own honesty and transparency that people are like you can see it in the room like people's faces were literally like whoa you know i think they were ready for a joke about stuff like this and they weren't totally ready and I don't, i don't know there was something i thought kind of freeing about i'm not trying to fit the way I'll respond to this into like the template of how hosts usually like this was not how Tina and Amy or Ricky Gervais, thank God, or whoever would have right. done about this. This is how I would do it. And, you know, you say the moments about this. So here you go. This
1: is what I'm making. Well, given that you gave us some little history about <laughs> name dropping a past hosts. I have to say, in the grand scheme of things, so much preferable to Ricky Gervais. Jesus <laughs> so, So I feel bad about saying that I didn't think it totally worked, because I love him, and like, I totally loved what he was going for. I just w- wish it had been a little bit funnier. I hear you. Um, yeah, but yeah, Ricky Gervais, like, that sort of... And Ricky Gervais, even though he's never hosted the Oscars, is the bad smell for me for the Oscars. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, the typical way modern hosts are we are just, like, we think art is disgusting. We don't want to celebrate it. We think movies are boring. We think, like, Hollywood You're is... You're so sorry. Yeah, yeah and yeah. that whole vibe that, you know, people thought was so funny with him, it's, to me, it's, it's just sort of, like, I wouldn't even pay a person who wanted that vibe $1, let alone half a million to host something. Yep. Because, like, I'm there to enjoy myself and to celebrate art. Like, people always say awards, like, oh, it's a sham or all these other, you know, the negative things people say about awards. The basic reason for them is to celebrate art, even if they're flawed. That's yeah. the reason. Yep. To say best this, best that, like, we loved this movie, whether or not it's best, whatever. Yeah. But the whole reason is to celebrate an art form. That's the whole entire point. So why trash it? Or why come in with this, like, this is bad. Hostility, yeah. So, yeah, I don't like that. Um, so let's celebrate art. What was a
0: moment that you were especially excited by who was winning or who was
1: having a moment? or I personally love, even if I don't love the movie that the person loves, I personally love it when winners get really excited about other performances that they had they nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. So, like, hearing Colin Farrell, like, freak out about Blonde was, like, so exciting for me, even though, like, I don't really – I haven't seen Blonde yet. It's the one movie I've been putting off because I love Marilyn Monroe, and I just kept hearing that it was exploitative. and Yeah. And, you know, a couple months ago, I thought, oh, that's not going to go anywhere because of all the bad reviews. And now it's going places in awards. So. Yep. I'm carving out time this weekend. Um, so I'm going to be very late to the party. Um, but yeah, I just, I personally love that. And I loved like Letitia Wright on the red carpet freaking out about meeting Marco Roby and saying that I, Tanya, was her favorite movie. And like, I was like, oh, interesting choice for a favorite wow. movie. But still, I love stuff like that because yeah. that is what it's about. It's about an art form and people celebrating it and loving it. So even if it's like your, Loves and favorites, I think, okay, different yep. strokes, you know. Yep. I think it's great. So that those type of moments excite me. Or when mm-hmm. um, there, was, there was another example of that. It wasn't just Colin Farrell. There was somebody else who said something where I was just like, oh. They oh, won. yeah, I there was somebody who it.
0: singled out somebody in their category after they won, I think, at the mic. And, yes. Oh, and, and it was Severance. It was when the people won for yes. – for House of the Dragon, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, And they were, like, obviously in love with Severance and, like, a, a faithful viewer. Yeah. I Those moments make me, not to be gross and sentimental, make me just feel so good, even if I don't share the opinion. Yeah. Because that's why I do what I do. That's why I invest so much time, like, is things that I really respond to. Absolutely. So, that said, which was your favorite winner of the night because you responded to that piece of art think if i'm
0: remembering everything that happened i think my answer is kiwi kwan because Mm -hmm. i was one of the viewers of that movie that i have to stop calling everything everywhere like such as which is what i always wind up saying (laughs) because it's in usa south carolina 2007 um I so admire that movie out of proportion to how great a time I was having at every moment. I think there are lots of people who had every reaction to that movie, and some of us, you know, are in this camp of like, in theory, I love the ambition and the surprise and the number of movies you packed into this movie. Sometimes I needed y'all to settle or cut something, but the marriage line was what carried me through the whole experience and I thought it was so fantastic and I remember it being one of those moments where I was thinking I hope this is even the kind of performance that people would recognize at like year-end sort of functions but it's so often not I could see it for her but um so I'm just thrilled that that kind of acting is being supported and um and his story is just almost impossible to top and he's like such a doll in the way he talks about it and the shout out to Spielberg was i thought
1: really lovely so I, that moment had kind of everything for me yeah that was a beautiful moment and i'm not always like with words just oh my favorite thing is when and i say my favorite thing too often because <laughs> not that's contradictory not everything can be your favorite but i love when people think the people who gave them their first break. Yes. And it, it, it really does not happen that frequently. That's true. It's usually about that specific movie and the list of names of people who are involved and, you know, their manager from way back, which I get, you know? Yeah. But, um. but like when Kate Winslet, you know, thanked Peter Jackson, I was like, yes, thank you. Cause like the truth is about, about uh, fields as competitive as acting if yeah. somebody doesn't give you that big break, your career does not happen. That's right. It just doesn't because there's like, you know, a hundred people who want every there' a thousand people who want every job. Yeah.
0: Yep. I remember when Renee Zellweger singled out Cameron Crowe in that way. And, I remember when Halle Berry did it and not the part of the speech everybody remembers. And like when you hear thanks to people like Joel Silver who are, who don't make the kinds of movies that are going to get them thanked on an awards telecast, but you find out who the good people and the mentors and the advocates were um, all around the industry. Like, I love that. I love that too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, that also warms my heart. And I, I know I've heard the story, but I cannot remember why Austin Butler was thanking Denzel Washington oh yeah but that's That's a similar thing i i've heard the story at some point and it has flipped my mind of denzel championing him but i can't remember in what context Hmm. those things like they're so they're not really tangible in in situations where you're winning an award for a specific for playing elvis you know yep (laughs) but you probably wouldn't have gotten to step z if you didn't have that absolutely I'm positive we've talked
0: about this before, like how would we not have, but one of the reasons I got so excited about this when I was so young was not just gratitude, like I will watch any TV show that's hours and hours of people being grateful, but (laughs) I feel like um, there's not a lot of public modeling about how to actually be grateful and how to actually sort of take stock of who you really do owe your successes to. Um, and it was watching this when I was a little kid where I both felt like this is what it looks like to know you have 90 seconds to say what you really want to say in the way you want to say it and you should do it because we all feel it when people miss that mark <laughs> and we feel it when people nail it. And um, and so, yeah, I think it's actually a very, like even separate from movies, like I love these things because I just find it very inspiring to watch people have the humility in a moment. Ryan Murphy would be a good name to pull in right now to like, this moment is as much about the people who I want to spotlight as, as having been conscientious and forward thinking and, and born up through things that were difficult. And I know that being such a stupid goofball about these awards shows has made me better in my actual life at saying the things I want to say to people when there's a moment to do it. And, And this felt like a, a great night for that. I understood everybody seemed freaked out that they were running over time <laughs> like you know whatever but I was just sitting there lapping
1: it up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean and so many speeches were actually like that. Like even if they weren't thanking people directly, they were uh, so many of the speeches the surprising amount were about whole careers as yep. opposed to that particular thing. Like Michelle Yeoh, for example. Yes. Um and I love that she mentioned her whole career in Hong Kong before Hollywood and how Hollywood, you know, just didn't get it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because those of us who saw like (laughs) the heroic trio and, you know, all this, you know, some of those crazy movies she did early on in her career. It's like, that was, even though it it, it isn't about the fans at all, it felt like it was also personal for the fans. Yep. People who like really, I don't want to say invest, but like people who, who have loved your work for a long time. And even mm-hmm. if, even some reference like that, it makes you think, yes, I was also there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's a way to include people. So yeah, I, I love that about the show. Yep. I, and, you know, speaking of gratitude, yeah, a speech I really, really liked was, um, Kayla Barab, MM Kiravani and Rahul I, I don't remember which one of these spoke. Oh no oh, no.
0: The songwriter?
1: Yeah. The songwriter yeah. who thanked for Natu Natu from RRR. Yeah. I loved um I I'm not sure I I apologize. I don't remember which of the three uh writers uh spoke to that. Um but I loved that concept of a speech, even though they started drowning him out. Yeah. I was like, this is great because like yes, it's a all of these things we celebrated at award shows are actually collaborative art forms, mm-hmm. like you know Michelle Yo. As much as I love her, she didn't do that performance on her own. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. So that was cool. Yep. And I lo- I love that about Colin Farrell's speech too because both of his best performances have been in Martin McDonough films, to my estimation. I can see that you think differently (laughs) about at least one of them, but yeah, but I, (laughs) that dude is such
0: a sweet dude. And I felt like um, the Banshee's table and the Fableman's table, both were emanating how genuinely, I mean, you know, again, I don't know anything, but they seem truly bonded over the thing they feel like they made. And that those movies are persuading me fully of how, I mean, they already felt personal to the makers while you're watching them, but um, you know, not every table is full of the amount of kind of bonhomie and history um, and kind of openness with each other that that those crews. I feel like, and and to an extent, you know, we didn't have the same amount of exposure to them. But I want to get Angela Bassett into this conversation also. And I think what that team has gone through together. I'm not even saying this as particularly a fan of how Wakanda Forever unfolds itself, but I think the way that they threaded an impossible needle even to get it done um, and the way that she spoke to that and and pulling explicitly the Marvel fans in to that speech yeah. which also happens very seldom um,
1: at a at these shows that's true yeah the thank you to the fans generally happens at different kinds of shows <laughs> yep yep um, or at Comic-Con or whatever yeah um, yeah so that was I mean you know you and I Our love for Angela Bassett goes way back. Yes, it does. I'm thinking that this is
0: a prize for Strange Days, and that's just how I'm going to think about it. I mean, like, no, she's so good in what she has to do in Wakanda Forever. And again, kind of clearly two best scenes are hers, I think. But uh, yeah, history. Yeah. (laughs) And she knows it, too. On January 22nd,
1: 1994. like, okay, I knew that day, too, but here we go. One of my favorite things this season actually was interviewing the director of Goodnight Oppie. Uh-huh. And him, like, because I was just like, oh, my God, like, Nick and I, this is so much our experience talking about it. Interviewing him about, why, you know, why did you choose Angela Bassett to be the voice of NASA, you know? And he was just like, I went to the theater To see what Sloth got to do with it, so many times because I was I was was this young boy obsessed with it, obsessed with her performance, and I kept going. So she was always in my head, and I thought, oh, that's so beautiful, because you you and I have bonded over things like that so much. Yes, we are director of a motion picture thing. I was I hired this person because I'm obsessed with her as an actor. Was just amazing to me.
0: So while it's true that memories are meant to fade, Lenny, they're designed <laughs> that way for a reason. And you're real. If you know what we're talking about, you know, some memories are not meant to fade. Sometimes right. Mace is wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah, I totally agree with you about her speech. Um, even though I usually cringe when people read a speech, but I was just like, Angela Bassett is an exception. Cause that was a, an exceptional speech. That's right. Um, and if you have a lot of things to say and you have to thread a lot of needles, as she did in that speech, yep. Then go ahead, and you can, you can orate the way she does. Then go right. ahead and read. That's right. <laughs> so,
0: and <yes>. say circuitous.
1: <laughs> Was there like a her and Julie Andrews, of, Andrews with the with the queens of enunciation? We love. Right.
0: Was there a moment in the show? Maybe you knew it was coming, maybe you didn't, where maybe you were even happy for the person who won, but you especially were like, oh, I was really rooting for that person. Or I'm realizing in this moment that there was a big part of me that wanted to see this other nominee up there. Wait, I
1: don't understand the question.
0: I'll give an example. I realized that I, I knew he probably wasn't going to win, but I would have loved to see Bill Nighy up there both because I think he's great in his movie and because that's a really gratifying trajectory to a moment like that, hopefully for a performer who's been such a journeyman and so rarely a lead and is the whole reason that movie works in a lot of ways. And, um, so I just remember the, um, now I'm trying to remind myself whose category that was, who that was Austin Butler, I guess, right. Austin who who Butler, seems like a sweetheart, but like, um, I realized in that moment, I found out for myself how much I was rooting for somebody else. Oh, I see. And how much I'm root I mean, and really I'd be rooting for Paul Mescal if we had been given that as an option, but, um, but I, it turns out I have more sentimental attachment to Bill Nighy than I, mm. knew that I did. Did you have anything like that?
1: Um, no because like i the the one thing where i was like loved everything about the speech but i was reading for someone else was angela bassett mm. um but i already knew that because i'm obsessed with dolly de leon and triangle of sadness and and maybe because she was there that the camera kept cutting to her yeah so i kept reminding me oh how much i was reading for her um but yeah, someone who I didn't realize I was rooting for. Hmm. I guess the original score... It, it, it wasn't that I was rooting for them, but John Williams, who is, you oh. know, 90 or something now? maybe one, I think, yeah. That he actually showed up, and that he didn't win when... I, I think Justin Hurwitz's score for Babylon is great. It's the best part of the movie, I think. But, um he's already, like, he's won every time he's been nominated. Yeah. Um. So they literally said, fourth nomination and fourth win. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. <laughs> like, he's, he, I, I love his work, and, you know, I'm really happy he won for first man, especially since he didn't get Oscar nominated for it, but yep. but I was just kind of like, oh, John Williams was right there, and he's older, and he hasn't won in so long. So even though he's not, like, John Williams is not my favorite composer, and I think Award shows through history have been overly generous, shall we say? Mm. Um, I just really thought, oh, that was a missed opportunity. Like, if all things being equal, you, to me, you vote for the sentimental choice. Yeah, okay. I'm normally not a sentimentalist when it comes to voting, but if if like somebody's not like a hundred percent deserving, I and got you. To. Have sort of five people who are the same, you go with the narrative. It's it's kind of the way I'm with Ki Hu Kwan this mm-hmm. year. Like, that's not my favorite supporting performance of the year, but he's really good in the movie, and there's not, I'm not sure that there's anyone who's, like, absolutely must have that Oscar this year. I see. In my estimation for talents, I'm, like, very happy for him. Even though, like, if I had to give my my awards right now, I probably wouldn't give him the gold medal. Mm Mm-hmm. But he he'll be a nominee. as my. Point. Was there somebody else sitting in that category that you knew you were behind? I think uh, Barry Barry Keegan, okay, from Banshees of Inisherin, from that group. But like I haven't done my just so you know little insight. I haven't finished my film bitch awards yet, and supporting actor being my least favorite category among the acting categories is yeah. always a little difficult. Some years it's easier if like there's standouts you know but once you remove all the category fraud people which i always remove instantly because they're never on my list um because i don't believe in that <laughs> so once you yeah, remove nathaniel's that, thing is not category fraud i just want to catch you up <laughs> to this episode <laughs> and so once i rem- once you remove all the leads like it you know uh, my uh let's just say my top 12 every year is much different than what what's in the words conversation every year yep Cause I post 12 people every year, like the semifinalists and finalists and, you know, so I haven't looked at that list in a while because I'm still cramming movies in. Mm-hmm. Um, But I'm finishing this weekend, hopefully because mm-hmm. the Oscar nominations are right around the corner. Um, But yeah, that's a case where of the nominees, I probably would have voted for Barry, but mm-hmm. of the narratives, it's impossible to beat Ki-u Yeah. And also it's a great performance. So whatever, yep. you know, it's just, if I had to pick a moment where I was like, oh, like it just killed my heart. It's that scene in, in Banshees of Inesheron where another dream gone then, where, yeah. where Siobhan rejects him. I just, something about the line delivery and just the way he inhabited that whole character, I was like, he's such a great actor. Like, he's great at everything and so much range. I have a block with him. I just do. Okay. It, it doesn't, um...
0: Killing of a sacred deer might have been the time where I felt like his non accessibility to me, which is what I often feel seemed perfect for that part in a way, yeah. even though it was such a purposely distasteful <laughs> persona to spend all that time with, and that movie was just so let me just punch you in the face like um <laughs> but but most of the time i'm I just um I'm imagining who else I might have enjoyed seeing in a role but and I'm trying to make that sound less unkind because um, I don't mean it I don't have it I don't have beef with Barry cute but um, you know I think we probably all just have like you know performers and also people in our lives where it's like I get that everybody else is excited and I wish I would, could click with this person and I've tried a few times and I'm sure I've been that person for other people
1: this just doesn't oh a hundred percent like yeah I know we've talked about this before with my, when I, I remember talking about this with my list of actors of the aughts or whatever. You were like, you're really not into Judy Dunge, are you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, I, you know, I think she's a good actor. It's just, she doesn't speak to me. Yep. Yeah. Um, You know, and there are other actors like that for me, where like I'm, I'm kind of that way with Jodie Foster. There's a couple performances where I just go bananas for, mm-hmm. but most of the time with Jodie Foster, I was like, yeah, I get, I get why people are obsessed with her. I'm just not. Yep. Um. However, the people I'm obsessed with, everyone should be obsessed with. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, then there's like that. It, it's great that people have different obsessions. Like, and we got, we kind of hit this point before, but. I mean, I'll never stop thinking about your manicurist with the shrine to Marsha Gay Harden in her <laughs> sock. I mean, like, who you? Yeah. You know, but, I
1: mean, for those for for readers who didn't listen to that, or for listeners who didn't listen to that one podcast where this was mentioned, probably. I once got feel manic- that way to me because
0: it's mentioned in the podcast of my mind like <laughs> once a week. I'm like, what's that gal up to?
1: I wonder if she watched that. TV show. <laughs> for those who didn't hear that, I once uh, got a mani petty preparing for the summer. <laughs> and the the technician had uh, po- pictures of Marsha Gay Harden all over her, her stall. And I'm like, you go. Because I love Marsha Gay Harden, so I was like there for it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was just unexpected, let's say. A niche queen. I love it. <laughs> or like, I, you know,
0: Edward Norton... Somebody tipped me off yesterday, like, posted this whole, like, I don't usually talk about how much I admire other actors on my feeds because it's, like, embarrassing or weird, but, like, Andrea Riseboro is just too amazing for me not to get on here and say something about her movie. It's like, I love that shit.
1: Yeah. I love it, too. Um, yeah. I think it's healthy. You know, there's a lot of conversation over the years, and much of it warranted about how unhealthy, you know, Stan culture is and fandom and all that. Toxic fandom. Yep. But I think a degree, I think if you don't have somebody you really stand at some point in your life, there's something wrong. Yeah. (laughs) A degree of it is healthy. That's right. Um, Yeah. Everything in moderation. Most (laughs) things. Except for movies. No moderation. That's right. And actresses. No moderation. So uh, any other thoughts on the Globes before we move on to... Our final topic for this very tight. We're keeping it tight. Keeping it as tight as possible. Um, no, I
0: think I'm i think I'm think good on the Globes. I'm just excited for everybody. And w- this is just a good moment to be excited for people. I don't even care if they weren't the movies that I loved. Yeah.
1: It's a good moment because, you know, soon you know, it'll be this inevitable, you know, walk up to the stage for the Oscar. That's right. If these same people win at the Critics' Choice Awards this weekend and at SAG. Mm-hmm. So then it will become less exciting. But right now it's very exciting. Yep. Um, I do. I'll, I have one more thing to mention about the Globes. And it's possible that I'm just forgetting something very obvious because like my brain is overloaded this time of year every year. But how do Coleman, Domingo and Steven Spielberg know each other? Because they clearly know each other. Lincoln. Um, Coleman, Domingo's in Lincoln. Oh, OK. Yeah. See, I knew there was a very specific reason. And I'm like, I I love, you know, I love Coleman Domingo, as you know. And I've met That's him a few times. And, like, I think he's such a phenomenal actor. And um, I was like... I remember what? where you met him, but this podcast <laughs> isn't about that. <laughs> and, like, I, I was just like, I know I know why they know each other. But I thought that was a sweet moment. I think he might be in the opening scene where... Di- David Oyelowo
0: also is as we're kind of pulling back and Lincoln's talking to people in the military. Um,
1: I think that's right, but I know he's in the film. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I just didn't, you know, didn't make the connection that night. Yep. So Nick, I have a bone to pick with you, which I've picked with you before, but I'm going to pick with you publicly. Your letterboxd is so addictive that the other night when i had so many deadlines i looked up and i realized it was an hour since i had clicked over on your letterbox and i was still reading your reviews and i was like holy I shit i won <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you listening if you are not following nick on letterbox you know you know i think you're a genius you're like one of the best critics in the world um and it, it's just <sighs> I just kept reading, you know, and I've done this before. This is not the first time this has happened to me. So I blamed you for the fact that I was running late. I it. accept your blame. I will send a
0: note with a doctor's signature to your editors. It's my oh. fault, Nathaniel well. <laughs> <Lichelle.
1: laughs> so that said, um, you have been... You also posted recently all your 2022 films. So are, are you... You sent me the list. Oh, I did. Um, yes. On the yeah. website. Yes. Right. So I don't know if you had just made an update and that's why you sent it. So yes. um, are you still cramming in movies or do you have a top 10? Yes.
0: I, I I have things like all quiet on the Western front and um, there's like a couple sort of in that blonde. I haven't seen yet either. Um, I was avoiding for the same reasons you were describing um, and now I won't. So yeah, there's a, there's a few left, but I think I'm, Pretty close. The one I really wish I could see is One Fine Morning because I've loved a lot of that director's movies, and I hear that this one is like the ones I've loved.
1: Mm. Um, so and- if you're not if you're not done and therefore not ready to reveal your top ten list, will you give us? for this podcast, like five recommendations.
0: Yes. And five is the perfect number because maybe you do this too. You know, like a lot of the movies that came out this year that are my favorites, like came out in the world a year ago or, you know, right. in a couple of cases, like several more years than that. And so I kind of want to rewatch them before I commit to an order. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones that are probably at the top of my list um The oldest one is called Donbass. It's a Ukrainian movie. I saw it at Toronto in 2018. I did not understand how it was not coming out. It's an unbelievably amazing movie by this director, Sergei Loznitsa, who puts out a movie like almost every year and has been in con competition a lot, but the US distributors just don't give a fuck. And it was a movie that, that showed me it's kind of this like, you're on this wandering journey through like crazy macabre vignettes of, of, then present day Ukraine um, again made in like 2016 or 17 premiered in 2018 and you glean so much of a kind of heightened social fabric of just how tense and and sort of socially frayed the country is but in the way that filmmakers you know can make some of those things funny and the next thing will be like terrifying and the next thing will be mysterious and um, so that's on all the it's on Google it's on iTunes you can rent it all kinds of places but um, in that group, for me, to you can tell me which one you want to hear about, are um, Happening, that won Venice a year ago, abortion should, drama should, from France. Listen,
1: I raved about it that year at Venice. Yeah. And I was very frustrated that France didn't pick it for the Oscars, um, but people were, were very obsessed with Teton, which, you know, I get. It just, I thought Happening was so much better than Teton. Yep. That I was just like, oh, um,
0: and, and then uh, it didn't. I mean, it's not like people didn't notice it, and it's picking up some attention. But I feel like it could have had a bigger impact and deserved to, especially given the year we've all been through.
1: Um, um, I have seen one Sergey Loznitsa movie, and I believe it was My Joy that you probably had, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, and I think that's the one that got the most attention in the U.S.
0: I think that's probably true.
1: Yeah, um, but that was a full like ten years ago or so. Um, but he's is is done a documentary.
0: No, a lot of his movies are, but that one is not. Um, okay. it's similar to My Joy in the sense that a lot of these vignettes of urban, rural, battlefront, all you're all over the place. And some of them are inspired by stories that have been in the paper or really happened or somebody told them about, but this is a scripted feature.
1: Okay. Um so for so happening is one of your five. Happening Sorry, five. I jumped back for Don Bus, but yeah, happening I um, also have... Great Freedom EO and After Sun. Those are kind of my five. Okay. Um, EO I just watched like a week ago as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we have those these moments and if you love any art form you have you know what this feeling is when you're watching something and really loving it but then something happens where you just sort of feel like it becomes an out of body experience and you <laughs> just like feel like this can't get any better. And like, you're actually, you don't even feel that because you're just so transported that you're just in it. Yep. Um, It's only later that you're like, you feel like shouting Susannas, or whatever. Yeah. For me, that moment in EO was when we go to the animatronic donkey. Yep. I felt like I left my body. Like it was, I was, it was so ecstatic, like art making to me in the way that it's like everything that the project can, can do, but not taking me out of it. Like Mm -hmm. I just felt even more inside of it, even though theoretically it's something that you would think, Oh, this is a bizarre flourish. And it feels so right in context, right? Intuitively somehow. Yeah. And you know what it reminded me of? I'm just going to throw that out there. It reminded me of that moment in beloved Tony Morrison's masterpiece, Mm -hmm. where suddenly you're in, beloved's oh, yeah. like, consciousness or whatever for that yeah. sort of break in the novel. I, I, it's been a long time since I read it, but I remember the first time I read it, I just I felt like I was frozen, and I it's just like the book. There was only the book. <laughs>
0: it was yep. like
1: yep, like, incredible it. feeling, and that's how I felt watching EO, so I it's also on my top ten list. Mm-hmm. I'm even harboring like, you know, fragile and probably misguided,
0: like, director hopes for him, because I feel like everybody in the industry is watching it, and partially because it's short, and partially because they've heard there's this crazy-ass donkey movie, and this 84-year-old man has made a movie that you think a 26-year-old NYU grad just made to fuck with everybody. Yeah. And um, it's just such a free work of art. Like, it, um, as you're saying, I think it all adds up the scenes link to each other in the moods and the tones and ways that feel coherent, but it is also permitting itself to do whatever. Yeah. Um, and I loved that
1: about it. Yeah. I was crazy about that. What? So Dunbath, EO happening. What were the other two? Uh,
0: After sun
1: and great freedom. Okay. So great freedom, of course, premiered also a year ago. Yep. Um, so Incredible. yeah, After
0: Sun's the only one of those that's like new, new. Well, EO, I guess too. So
1: with After Sun, I find it, I love the movie, but I find it hard to like pinpoint like individual scenes or like when I knew it was great or that sort of thing because it's all like EO. It feels very sort of, we know this about great artists. It's not accidental, right? Great yeah. artists, not accidental, but... Those those pieces of art that feel very free and that they're just sort of spontaneous and just like flowing out, which is clearly not how movies are made. Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard for me to pinpoint why After Sun's really good.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> it has that same quality where you just feel like anything might happen or any scene might be about any particular thing. Yep. And yet it all coheres. Yep. So, what was it for you about After Sun when you were like, yes? Yeah.
0: Um, Part of it was the sort of moonlighty way in which it did not appoint itself the task of explaining and spelling out everything. Like, you're just going to get, like, I felt like I understood this has got to be sort of autobiographical. Like, you just feel that sort of, um, maybe like when incidents are like, believably, like, you can imagine these things happening, but they're so specific that who would imagine them? Like, it it had that to it, I, you understand who the person is in the disco club and who that kind of has to be without the movie ever saying it. Um, in a in a movie where if I were putting together best actor, best actress list, it's gonna look like the fucking teen club. Like, I mean, that girl, Gabriel LaBelle in Fablemans, Eden Dombreen and Close, Banks Rapetta and Armageddon Time. I think the kids have been fucking slaying it this year. Yeah. And to me, she was one of them. Um, and it, it's really hard to talk about this without sounding like you're saying something like weird and clammy but like one of the many things i loved about it was the way she's like watching her father and like learning something about what it might look like to grow up and is like just at the lip of like starting to understand like my dad's got stuff going on that i don't know anything about and maybe older people have stuff going on i don't know anything about yeah. but a lot of that because he's not very vocal comes from like watching her sort of Study his body and his movements, and like the ways he's um, taking up space or shrinking into himself, or you know, she just doesn't buy the thing he's saying, and that like what is coming off of him is what's um, sending a different message that's the one that she trusts, and like it just reminded me in ways I haven't thought about for a long time of like when you start like getting a different idea about your parents as people not in a way that you have any idea how to ask a question about or anybody's going to talk about. So you're just watching them. Um, right. And I thought it was an amazing movie about that among,
1: among many other things. I love that answer because that was a movie where like the whole vibe is so like hard to pin down. Like it's elegant is way too simple because there's so much more going on. Yeah. Um, And nostalgic is not right either (laughs) um but it's just uh yeah it's very it's very affecting movie but it's like hard to like how did she do it yeah i was making my director list like I'm, i'm trying to come up with my awards and she's definitely someone i'm considering for my five yeah um so from where i'm sitting i
0: feel like i'm Tell me if I'm wrong, but I think Fablemans and Banshees are both pretty
1: high up there for you this year. Yeah. Mhm. That's that's correct. I didn't want to name my five because I'm still making my top 10 list. Yeah. Um but those are of, of the Oscar contenders, those are the two that I'm very into. Um the Fablemans I've made no secret about the fact that I think it's Spielberg's best since 93. Mhm. Um, so i i have no shame about you know it's saying how like banshees i sort of get why some people don't like it but i love it mm-hmm. um, but fablements i'm like <laughs> it's not right to do this but Fablement's every critique i read of it i'm like you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> i'm like you just don't get it you know it's just a horrible way to be about uh other people's criticisms but like the the things i read about why people don't like it i'm like did we watch the same movie Cause a lot of times with with movies that I love you know, other people don't, I read their critiques and I'm like, Yeah, okay, I can get why that would've turned someone up. Yep. Yeah. But every time I read something about why that's not good, I'm like, wait, did you not understand what was happening? Like I just yep. but but I realize, you know, artists, you know, subjective.
0: It's Um, good when those things roll around, though. It's good that you're not in that space all the time, right? Some people are in that space all the time. How could anybody disagree with me? But like, yeah, I think I felt that way about like 20th century women. It's like, uh, look, I'm just sorry for you that you didn't receive what you were handed (laughs) by that film. I'm pitying you behind my eyes,
1: although I bet you're reading it on my face. Like, I just can't, I can't be in that conversation. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm not usually that way, like, you know, I had a good conversation that's about to go online about Triangle of Sadness, which I love, and I. but I totally get why people don't like that. I'm like, yeah. I accept your critique, I just don't agree with it, you know. Yes. But I don't, I, I have yet to read a critique of the Fablements that I agree with. Yep. <laughs> Do you? So, uh, I just, I love it. Um, I think it's, and it's just like, it's one of those movies where, like, even though it's a vignette structure, which is usually for me, uh, something that results in uneven movies, vignette structures. Mm. Um, and I just never was outside of it or was never interested in any thread within it. And I just love that it was like this mosaic of like sort of myth making and memory at the same time and how those two things work together and don't work together. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was so fascinating and just so warm and lovely. And like, I, you know, I know it's a trend right now and people are complaining about it, that all these directors are doing that, but it's not like it's a new thing either. Directors have yep. done this forever. Yeah. Um. So, so of those recent ones, to me, it's up there with, Pain and Glory from Almodovar, which is mm. like, yes, you talk about your life because you're a genius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as you and as you know, I'm not that big on Spielberg in general. Yeah. So, so my love for this movie has really taken me by surprise. Mm-hmm. Because so many of his movies I have not loved that other people are obsessive about. Yeah. Um. So I was. I, I didn't. I don't want to say I went in with like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, prove it that you deserve to me. I, I didn't go in with any of that. Like, I don't dislike Spielberg. Yeah. Um, But I just was so surprised continually. And I've seen it. I went to see it again. And there's only like a handful of movies because of, you know, how many movies I have to see every year. There's only a handful. I end up seeing again mm-hmm. all, all times. And it was just as good the second time. So, you know, I love it yeah i wish wish everybody loved it but they don't (laughs) well i'm really really happy i'm really happy that you shouted out happening which which uh was so tense yes you know people talk about thrillers or whatever movies you should see in theater and it's always just something that's just very loud and like Mm -hmm. explosions and action sequences or whatever there's only a couple movies I've seen in the past couple years that were as tense as happening. Yep. I, I was riveted like the entire time and scared. Yep. Um. So yeah, to me that's, you know, you know, fuck explosions or visual effects nominations. <laughs> like give me that. If you want me to be immersed in a movie and think you should see it in a theater. That's right.
0: Which also I didn't, and I can vouch for its absorptive
1: qualities even, you know, from your couch. Yeah. I mean, a lot of movies, like, you know, just because you and I love going to the movies, like, we can get a little, like, snobby about that. Oh, you should see it on the big screen. But that's less and less something people can do. Yeah, um, yeah. For and many I mean, reasons. So they, it, it's always good when a movie um, works on the small screen just as well. yeah. But you know how much I'm with you that we could have different
0: metrics for what makes a movie an in theater experience. And I thought that when I went to see by myself in the entire theater, um, till and felt like, like just sit here and watch, maybe. Both need to say something and barely be able to say anything and seem like she hasn't taken a breath in five minutes, but she's still managing to seem angry. Like like, there's so much going on in that performance, but also the choice that character is faced with and then makes that the whole movie is about is all about publicness. And even though I was alone and I would have liked to watch that movie with a whole audience having to watch what she's demanding that the world see um that's kind of paradigmatic of i think the kind of movie people who have access to screeners or links or when it's eventually you know streaming on all the sites like i get it you know i get it but um but save a thought for what it would be like to be around other people especially when you kind of know where a story is going and you think it might be about addressing us as a
1: nation society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. i know you have to run which is i do i'm sorry so sad for me because i want to keep talking for hours but um We'll do this again at some point. Let's please do. Yeah, especially, I'll be so excited when
0: when lists are finalized. Like, my next question was going to be, like, whether or not it's in your top five. Is there a movie that you've already noticed? Like, oh, this this stuck with me even more than I thought it was going to. Or, I think it's, I, you know, I haven't done lists in a while, but, like, you know, when you keep like changing the rules, like something's number 10 and then you see something you <laughs> like even better. And so it should go to 11, but you're like, fuck it. No, I want this on my <laughs> list. It's just going to stay 10. <laughs> like a, that, that movie every year. I'm always excited to hear from list makers.
1: What are they? What are yeah. they uh, grandfathering? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, yeah. And happy new years to everybody listening. Yeah. And, Tell us what you love. Name five movies in the comments and um, what you loved or didn't love about the Golden Globes. Um, thanks for listening.